Hey, good morning. Um, is fall here? Felt like it. Had a couple of days where it felt like it. Let's open our Bible, Second John, please. Some people say Second John, chapter one, even in the books, but it's there's only one chapter, so it's really Second John. In the verses, last time we talked about uh, people that were walking, and we asked the question, how's, how's your walk? And, you know, this is our Christian life, our Christian walk, our daily practical life. What is your walk like? Uh, John said that he was, you know, happy. He said, you know, uh, it gave him great joy in verse 4 to find some of your children walking in the truth. And John was, was happy. He was affected by that, by them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not perfection. As I said last week, it's direction. It's not that we're leading perfect lives, but it's, it's the direction of our lives, the, the, the direction that we're going, the direction we're facing. But I think it's kind of a, exciting to me when John saw young people that were following after God walking in truth. And for you young people, it takes a lot of choices to make choices to follow in the truth, to walk your life in the truth. You have to make the choices. We all, all do, but, but it's, it's hard for a young person. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5, be very careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Jesus talked about it, didn't he? He said there, there, was, there was kind of two paths, didn't he? In the Sermon on the Mount, there's a, a narrow path, there's a wide path. And he said, you know, you got to decide which path are you going to go on. The wide path is wide for a reason. I remember a friend of mine uh, said, Jim Kellum. How many of you remember Jim Kellum? No, Jim Kellum, some, quite a few. He said the wide path is wide because there's a lot of people that are going on that path. And when you have a lot of people going down, it makes the path, you know, it opens it up. But he said the narrow path, and Jesus said this, you know, there, there's only be a few. But he's calling us to walk on that narrow path, to walk that way. We talked about Enoch, who walked with God 300 years. Abraham, who walked before God. Is it easy? No, it's definitely not easy. It's, in, fact, in fact, I find, and I remember hearing somebody talking about this uh, recently, I find that it, it actually gets harder. I thought, I thought it was going to get easier. You know, you, you kind of get to a place where you're kind of more just kind of cruising. And, and, but, but in truth, the battle gets harder for whatever reason. I don't know the reasons. But it, but it is a battle, and, and we are in a war. And we have, you know, we have fronts on three sides, you know, the world, our own flesh, and the enemy, Satan. We, we fight the battle on three different fronts, just trying to walk in truth and, and, and keep on that path. I think the message that I want to give to you today is you need to watch out. You need to pay attention. And this is what John is talking about today. Now, he... Most of the stuff that, he, that we're going to look at today, he's already said. But, I don't know, we need repetition, don't we? 
That's the way we learn things. Oh, you're going to talk about that again, John? But you already talked about that in the last letter that you sent to us. But John, John you know, hits the same subject. Let's read verses uh, 7 through 9 today. He's he talking about how you walk and, and walking in obedience, walking in love. He says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. That's some powerful stuff there, isn't there? I mean, unpack that. Can we just turn these fans on, please? It's a little bit getting a little warm. I thought it was fall, but I guess not. So he says, he he jumps right in, he says, there's many deceivers, many deceivers, not just one or two that you got to watch out for, but many, and and, and again, in this idea of the three fronts, there's deception all around. Even our own flesh deceives us at times. But the word uh, for deceiver there also means imposters, those who would pretend to be. And those who would mislead into error, pretending to be something else. And John's warning them, and he's warning us too. And that's why we're reading this. That's why we study it. John is warning, don't believe everything that you hear. We have to have, I think, a healthy measure of caution. You know, we can be, you know, totally freaked out about anything anybody says, or we can be on the other extreme where we just, you know, hook, line, and sink, or whatever anybody says, we buy in. I think we have to have a healthy measure of caution uh, in our walk, in our Christian life, in our understanding of the faith. But John kind of brings it into focus. What, what is the issue? When you... When you look at these verses, he kind of talks about it twice in verse 7 and in verse 9. What is the issue? The issue is, I'll tell you, in case you didn't see it, the issue is Jesus. Every single time, it's Jesus. It's always about Jesus, you know, who he is and what he has done. That's what he says here, didn't he? They do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. It's something about Jesus. This, what is John saying when he says they, they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh? He's talking about the, the incarnation, but he's talking about more than that. He's talking about the fact that God came down and took a human body, came, literally came down and took a human body. It wasn't some apparition, wasn't some spiritual manifestation. It was reality and truth. The, this book, I think that the theme of this book is truth. But he came down, and and we we have to see and understand that he was fully God and he was fully man. That's important. It's important to know that, to understand that. If he was not, 
Well, first of all, if he wasn't fully God, what good would it be? If he wasn't fully man, what good would it be? He couldn't die for us because we are human beings. He, he came in the form of a human being so he could take our place and die for us. He had to be fully God and fully man. Paul talks about it in, in Philippians. He says this. No, that's what John said. He said, Christ Jesus being in very nature God. Look at the language Paul uses here. This is, Paul had, you know, he, he grasped this and it was very, very important to him. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's it. That's what John was saying here. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Say, well, I know all that. Yeah, but do you really know all that? He could have came down and walked around and said, you know, I'm God, like, you know, boom, you're gone, boom. But he came down and he humbled himself, took the form of a servant. In fact, this verse in the the, uh, verse just before it, Just so you know, it says that we should have that very attitude of humbling ourselves and being servants. Not that we're going to, you know, uh, not that we're God or anything like that, but but have that same mind in you. Turn back to 1 John chapter 4, just one page. 1 John chapter 4, in verse 1, he said, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Remember I talked about the healthy caution? But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay, so how do we know? Well, he tells us, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Same thing that he said before and he's saying it again. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. It's all about who Jesus is. This is what you and I need to understand and what we need to hold on to. Well, who is he? I was reading in the Psalms a few days ago and it talked about, you know, how great and awesome our God is. And I thought, you know what? If I really understood this, I wouldn't be so fearful. I would not be anxious. I would not worry. If I really truly understood the power of who God is that we worship and serve and that we belong to. He says he says back in 2 John, these deceivers, they've gone out into the world. They, you know, they, they, they've gone out and they're, they're on a mission. The truth is they've come into the church as well. They, uh, John talked about, he says, they went out from us, but they weren't really part of us. But they went out, but then they also want to come back. They want to go after the church. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. The church is good. No, there, there are false teachers and deceivers who want to take you away from your faith. Paul said in Galatians, uh, some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, 
so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. He says, be on your guard. Jesus said, watch out. John says that, you know, they are, they are the deceivers. They are the Antichrist. And, and of course, it, the Antichrist means against Christ, right? That's what anti means, Antichrist, against Jesus, against who he is. They came out of the church. They attacked the church. John said that you have an anointing from God and you know the truth. The Holy Spirit within us will, will give you that understanding. Jesus said in Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you wearing nice suits. Oh, wait, no, he didn't say that. What did he say? They come to you in sheep's clothing. They don't come to you saying, I'm a deceiver, I'm a false prophet, I'm a false teacher. No, they come to you in sheep's clothing. He says, but inwardly they are ravenous, ferocious wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew 24, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. They don't walk up and say, you know, I've got this lie I want to tell you. You know, it's, it's all around us today, isn't it? I mean, you, you get it on your phones, right? These text messages, your emails, you know. You've just won, you know, the DeWalt best drill ever made. Click on this link. Let me infect your phone. No, they don't say that. The deceivers are, are, are all around. Look at this verse that Paul talked about in, in Colossians. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive. That's that deceivers again. Deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, look at this. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Isn't that what John is talking about here? In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Fully God and fully man. But notice what he says. Where, 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 where is it going to happen? Paul says, this deception, it depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on who Jesus is. That is what's going on today in our world, in our churches. It's happening over and over. You look and you see it. Well, what is current in the world? This modern thought. What is the current truth? What is the current philosophy of the world? And then we have to adapt ourselves to it. Now, it's one thing to kind of, you know, we understand the culture and we, we try to reach people where they are, but not at the expense of truth. But that is what's happening. At the expense of truth, we are trying to, you know, really, it's the lowest common denominator. And once you get there, and what John says, we saw it in these verses, is you get to a point where you, you don't, God isn't even in the picture anymore. It's a social gospel. It's kind of liberal. It's, it's just it's so far out there. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. 
but that you may be rewarded fully. Now, he's not talking about a loss of salvation here, but, but he's talking about rewards. And, and the truth is that there will be rewards for how we live our lives and what we do with our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about it. In fact, why don't we turn there? If you can uh, find it quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read from that. Because he, he talks about this here. Uh, they were saying, well, you know, this guy or that guy or whatever. But, but he says, starting in, in verse uh, 5, what, it, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. We don't lift up a man as the Lord has assigned to each his task. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You see, God is the only one that gets any glory out of it. But that doesn't mean that the way we spend our time in our lives doesn't have some kind of fruit. Verse 8, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers... You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, he said, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Each did his part, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. That's what it's all about. It's all about you, Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, the, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his what? His reward. But if, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So there, there is a sense where, you know, we're building on a foundation and, and, and Jesus Christ is our foundation. That's why, that's how we are saved. That is not going to be taken away. It doesn't matter how much you do, how much you don't do. If you lead a perfect life or an imperfect life. But that's not to take away from the fact that how we live makes a difference. It makes a difference in this world. And, and, and what we use as materials, how we build upon that foundation of Jesus. We need to be careful what we build with. Why is John bringing this up here in his passage? Because we can get sidetracked into weird and strange stuff. And when we get sidetracked, we build with inferior materials. Again, you're not going to lose your salvation. He said, you, you'll be saved, you'll get through, but what, do you, what will you have when you get there? Now, don't get me wrong, it's going to be glorious to be there no matter what. I totally believe that. But, but to have something when you get there, to send something ahead, there's something about that. And, and maybe that's important for us because the truth is, as human beings, we like to, we like to know that you know, our, our work makes a difference, that it, it, somehow it's going to 
you know, pay off. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And then at the end, chapter 22, he said it again. He said, behold, I am coming soon. This is the, we're at the end of the book here now. We, we get to read the last chapter of the story. He says, my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. You know, we're, it's so, so very important to point out that we're not saved by works. So important to understand that. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what Jesus has done, right? That, there's no question about that. And if, Ephesians chapter 2, you know, verses 8 and 9, you know, once we're, we're, by grace we are saved. It's not by our works. By grace through faith. But then we forget that verse 10, that's verses 8 and 9. Verse 10 says, but, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the things that he has prepared in advance for us to do. So we're not saved by what we do, but he has a plan for each one of us. Are, are, we, are we following that? Are we walking in that? Are we going to do what he's called us to do? That's where the reward comes. He says, my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. We're not saved by it. We saw it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're called to serve. We're called to serve. Not build our own kingdoms. That's what these false teachers were doing. Verse 9, getting back to the idea of these false teachers, he says, anyone who runs ahead... And does not continue in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. It, it literally means to go past, to go beyond. Anyone who goes beyond the teaching about who Jesus is. The, the New American Standard translates it there, anybody who goes too far. The deep, you know, I've, got, I've gotten to the deeper truths. Now, let me ask you this. Have any of you ever been in a church service and you, and you felt like something was just off? And they kind of went off into this thing like, oh man, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I'm not sure if that's in the Bible or not. Any of you ever had that experience? Some of you had. You know, this is what he's talking about here. You, you need to watch out and be careful of it. If it goes in any way about the pure teaching of, of, of who Jesus is and the pure teaching of God's word, watch out. What, where it comes from, is it, it, it's always about some kind of prideful human path. Some man, and Paul talked about it, Acts chapter 20, we read that a few weeks ago. You know, they will, they will have and they will try to uh, have disciples after themselves. Watch out, he says, they're even going to come from your very midst. And they want to have disciples after themselves against, rather than, disciples of Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we need. The false teachers, that, you know, they, they, they believed that they had gone beyond the apostles and the prophets, beyond the word of God. Same today. You, you hear it today, you know, I've got this new revelation. This brand new, you know, understanding that, you know, for 2,000 years, no one else has had. 
The commentator McDonald, he said, cults claim to have new light. And they teach doctrines that God has not revealed in his word. You, you know, there's always the, the extra book or the extra publication, you know, the Book of Mormon. We've got to have the Book of Mormon to understand what the Bible says. We've got to have the Watchtower, you know, publication, you know, and the Jehovah's Witnesses to understand what the Bible, you know, and they always have that, that separate thing that comes along after. This will help you understand what is over here. The Holy Spirit is not strong enough on His own. We, in our fresh revelation, will help you understand. Watch out. I don't care if, if you hear me start saying something that's often weird. He's saying, here, watch out. God's not in it. It's been happening in the church, you know, for, for about a generation now, the kind of the liberal, you've heard the liberal church. And it, it's just, it, it's, of course, you know, it, it, it was back... Alive back then, why was John addressing these issues? Because it was, you know, false teachers have been around since the beginning. But, you know, to make it a little more relevant to us, the liberal churches, you know, you can read about them anywhere. GodQuestions.org is where I uh, uh, found this information. What is liberal Christian theology? Let me read a few uh, verses, (laughs) a few sentences. (laughs) See, you should have started throwing something at me about that, you know. Well, that's not a verse. But he says, in, in, in liberal Christian teaching, which is not Christian at all, man's reason is stressed and is treated as the final authority. Liberal theologians seek to reconcile Christianity with secular science and modern thinking. In doing so, they treat science as all-knowing and the Bible as fable-laden and false. Genesis's early chapters are reduced to poetry or fantasy. I've heard that. I've heard that in our own state from teachers in our very own state. The book of Genesis is just a poem. You have to kind of understand it and, and put it in that light. God forbid. They attack the Bible. They attack the virgin birth of Christ. They attack who Jesus was. They attack the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. They go against the concept, the fact that man is lost in sin and and without a Savior, we are uh, headed for an eternity apart from Him. This is real. This isn't conjecture. How many of you ever heard of the Jesus Seminar? This is, this is not that many years ago, about 40, 50 years ago. The G- Jesus Seminar. It was begun by a New Testament scholar, right? And, you know, he, he said, this is what he said, he wanted to rediscover the historical Jesus that was hidden. He believed behind almost 2,000 years of Christian traditions, myths, and legends. So he wanted to, to go in there, and, and they went to the four Gospels, and also they added the Gospel of Thomas, 
which isn't included in the canon, right? And they went through, and they went through to, to every, you know, word in there, and, and they had a little color-coded bead thing. You know, if it was red, it would be something that Jesus, you know, most likely said. If it was pink, it was maybe that he possibly said. In gray, it would be he didn't likely say that. And in black, words that Jesus definitely did not say. First of all, their whole premise was that the scripture was not inspired by God. So they went and did this. You know what? 80% of the New Testament was in black. 80% was in black. The weird thing is, in the Gospel of Thomas, they were they gave a, a higher percentage of red and pink than the other four Gospels combined. This is insanity. But this is real. It's, it's gotten into the church today. Just recently, the, they went from the Jesus seminar to the Jesus project. And it's just basically the same stuff all repackaged. You know... Uh, uh, no holding to the, the truth of, you know, God's word. The Jesus seminar, they just kind of followed on with that. So the Jesus seminar, they, they had 80% of the saying, uh, sayings of Jesus as myth or fable, fiction. But the Jesus project, it says they, their plans were to banish the other 20% by removing Jesus himself from the equation so their question was did did jesus even exist this is the jesus project it should be the devil project right but 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 you know this is this is what's happened and and you know what i i don't know i'd i'd have to look at the list of churches in our state and say how many of these churches are you know our liberal churches have liberal doctrines it, it's got to be over half might even be more. Then we have the whole new deconstruction movement where you have people like Rob Bell, who was a pastor, you know, come out and they, you know, they say they've broken free from the shackles of their faith. And they're influencing other people. Joshua Harris, the guy who wrote, you know, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, he's in that camp and, he, you know, he, he's, he's now way off, way out there. After he made a bunch of money selling a book and now he's just doing his thing. John says it here. Anyone, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue, goes beyond the teaching of Christ doesn't have God. God's not in it. That's how important this is. If you leave Jesus out of the equation, we have nothing. We have nothing without Jesus. You know, speaking with someone, they say, you know, I've got an understanding with the man upstairs. I said, is Jesus any part of this understanding? Because if he's not, then you really don't have anything. He got angry with me. You're not always going to get a good response. 
Without John 14, 6, Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father apart from me, without me. Without that, we, we have nothing. We have nothing. So the truth, the truth is Jesus. The truth is that he came. He took a human body. He came and he gave his life for us. Physically, truly, he was bodily resurrected from the dead. And God has revealed all this, the truth in his word. And that's where you and I need to hold on to. That's where you and I need to, to focus in on Jesus and the word of God. Peter said it. He said there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's Jesus, denying Jesus, denying who Jesus is. Sad thing, he says, many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute, the, the example that they give. He says, in their greed... These teachers will exploit you. These, these teachers that are, they're just in it for the money and for the power and for people after themselves. Hold on to Jesus and hold on to the word. Build on that foundation. Let our lives be tools in the hands of Jesus. Today, whatever it is, like I said, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And, and we need to ask him, what is it? How can I be faithful to what you call me to do? Let's pray together, shall we? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for John the Apostle who so boldly wrote these words. That if we leave... If we leave the teaching about Jesus, we, we've left it all. We've left God out of the picture. Father, you sent your son to be the sacrifice for our sins, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message. We don't, we don't go deeper. We don't go beyond. The truth is Jesus. He said he was the way, he was the truth, and he is the life. Father, keep us centered. It's, it's hard. It's, it's a battle. It is a war. It's a spiritual battle. We fight, a, we fight every single day, and, and I pray for the strength for each one of us to continue to fight, not to give in, not to give up. But keep going back to Jesus and keep going back to his word and finding the strength we need to live one more day, to, to fight one more battle. Maybe you're feeling weak now. Maybe you're feeling it's just so hard. I can't do it. Well, he says where... You are weak. He will be strong. And, and he'll give you the strength that you need in the time you need it. I've seen it. I know it. 
I know the truth. He's faithful. We read about it. Remember, he is faithful, faithful, faithful. Maybe you have never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you you need Jesus in your life. You, you have no hope. You have no life in you. You have no reason to live. Well, open your heart, your life to Jesus right now and, and ask him in. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I believe in you. I, I can't do it. I am lost, lost, lost. So please come in and save me today. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.